West Bowles, good morning. Thank you for being here this morning. I, I come to you with actually um, a lower sense of confidence this morning. I was heading out the door and this thing my son, our, our six-year-old son says to me from time to time, came out of his mouth this morning. He said, nice pink shirt, dad. I was like, it's salmon, Lincoln. <sighs> he doesn't know that color yet. So anyhow, hey, if it's your first time, my name's Nathan and I get to be pastor of this place. But um, two weeks ago, when we closed in prayer, I, I've been torturing this congregation with this story I've just been drawing out and drawing out and drawing out. And um, thank you for all the angry emails and text messages and glares. Glares last week when you thought I was finishing the story and I had Brad Brady come up. By the way, will you thank Brad for his <laughs> message last week? I figured if, if I put Brad Brady in front of them, they can't stay mad long. So I think it worked. Well, when we closed in prayer two weeks ago, I was sharing the story of this cliff jump I took over 20 years ago. And a couple weeks ago, we finally got to the part where I jumped and we were midair when we decided to just cut it and close in prayer. And, and I told you the best part of the story was coming. So I'm going to finish that story right now. Here's what, here's what happened. I was, excuse me, I was heading toward the water at over 100 miles an hour, okay? <laughs> and I hit the water. And Boulder's only freshwater great white shark, it grabbed onto me and I threw it in a headlock and put it out. Let's close in prayer, all right? <laughs> I'll finish that story in just a second, okay? But if truly, if it's your first time here on a Sunday morning, thank you for coming. About a month, month and a half ago, we started talking as a congregation about this next year and what this next year would look like. And we talked about this idea of living by faith. And what does living by faith, not by sight, look like? And we began talking about, well, what, what does God give us to, to enable that? Well, he gives us his son. It's what Jesus did on the cross that actually freed us to be able to live by faith, not by sight. And he gives us his Holy Spirit to empower us to do that. But he also gives us this other thing that we've been talking about for the last month, and it's the church, the body of Christ. And for many people, for many people walking by faith, the church is one of those things that is, is tough to engage in because there are, there are many obstacles to being able to take that leap of faith into the church for many, many people. If you haven't been doing that for years, then there are obstacles that get in the way. And we've been talking about those obstacles. We've talked about how we often live in this world of one. And we live, you know, based on my preferences and what I want and what I'd like to see happen. We talked about how oftentimes you look at the church and it's easy to feel like you have to be somehow look like a professional at being a Christian. And we, and we talked about when Jesus called Matthew. He said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You don't have to be a professional at this. You don't have to be the best of the, of the best because I want to have mercy on you. We discussed how oftentimes God will use somebody who can walk in our shoes, who can empathize with us and know what it's like to engage us in the church. And last week, as Brad shared, it's very easy to come to church and say, what can I get out of it? And Brad reminded us so well that no, God gave you something to give his body to build up, to edify, to equip his body. But for many people, getting in the, into the church, it requires stepping over each of those obstacles before we can take that leap of faith. 
And so we've been likening it to this metaphor of a true story happened in my life. Over 20 years ago, I was in high school. A friend said, Nathan, let's go swimming. Found out we weren't going swimming. We were taking a 35-foot cliff jump into some water up in Boulder, which is a bad idea if you know me. Because uh, when we go to amusement parks, I don't do roller coasters. Okay? I'm happy to get made fun of. It's fine. I'll go on the bumper cars and have the time of my life. In fact, I've discovered recently even getting pushed too high on the swing set is a little too much for me. I mean, my children swing higher than I do on that thing. Kara, Kara just keeps pushing too hard, and, and it's scary, all right? But that's how it can feel. That's how getting involved in the church can feel for people, this giant leap of faith. And so... That day, we got up to Boulder to Gross Reservoir, and I had kicked and screamed and thrown a tantrum all the way there, and I had a friend who said, Nathan, you don't have to leap. Would you just step out of the car? Would you just take one step? And I took a step. And as, you, as I've shared with you, we went up this trail to this clearing where people were jumping from the top of this cliff, and there were dozens of people, and I thought you had to be able to do flips and all kinds of tricks, and then I saw one guy, probably three or four decades older than me at the time, and he jumped, and he didn't do any flip or any kind of trick, and he was accepted for it, and he was cheered for it. And I went, huh, well, maybe I could take another step, and I got in line. And then this guy who completely knew what he was doing came up next to me, and he said, it's your first time, isn't it? And I said, yeah, it is. He said, I'll jump with you, and I'll even jump how you want to jump, which, I'll remind you, didn't look like what has been on the slide each week. It looked like, yeah. Didn't look like that. I'd love to say that was me. It was this. Just, just total sissy. And so on his count, on three, we jumped, and I was mid-air, and honestly, the best part of the story really wasn't so much what happened at the bottom. It was who happened at the bottom. You know, if you've ever jumped into water, you jump and you land in the water, and something happens when you're underwater. Like, everything in your sinuses gets scrambled. And you know how when you come up out of the water, there's just like this... I'm sorry, I'm just going to say it. Spider web is snot. Does that happen to you guys? <laughs> me either. I was just, just checking, seeing if that happens to anybody else. Not me, though. No, I come out of the water, and there's just snot. And this girl, she's just looking at me like, there's, there's something there. <laughs> but I was thankful she didn't swim away or run away or anything like that. And the guy who jumped with me, he said, well done, patted me on the back. I got to the shore, and there were people clapping. The seven-year-old who went before I went handed me a towel, and there was a guy with a cooler who handed me a bottle of water. Do you ever think about the faces that help you along in this journey called faith? Have you ever thought about those faces? Because there are faces at the top of that cliff before you ever take the jump, that God wants to use to say, I want to help you take this leap. And what I discovered that day is that there are faces at the bottom as well. And, and it really, really what it points to is this idea we've been talking about throughout this series. Simply this, that when it comes to the church, being a part of is always greater than being apart from. A part of the body of Christ is always greater than apart from. And it's with that idea in mind I want to look at a passage this morning that honestly doesn't get preached on much, if at all. It, it, this is not a life verse for anybody in here. 
In fact, this is, this is a passage that if you read everything that came before it, you'd probably skip this part because it's a list of names. It's a list of names in Romans chapter 16, but I think it's exactly what we need to talk about because it's a picture of what the church could be and should be. It's a collection of faces that God says, that's who I want to use. That's who I want to use for you and for those outside these walls to take some steps over some obstacles and take a leap of faith into the church. And when I look at all the beautiful language and the thought flow of Romans 1 through 15, there's some incredible stuff in there. Romans 16 to me is what it looks like in our lives together, one by one. And so with that in mind, I want us to look at this list. And you got to know that for Paul, this is not just a list. I mean, you see, you see a list of, at the risk of repeating myself, potential baby names for those of you in here that are, that are pregnant, okay? No, it's, it's not just a list of names. See, for Paul, for Paul, this was a list, kind of like jury duty is a list to us. See, when you know your name's potentially on that list, suddenly it means more, doesn't it? This is a list kind of like when you tried out for that part when you were younger and they posted the list of who got what part. It's that kind of list for Paul. When the coach read off who made varsity and who made JV, it's that kind of a list. When you're at graduation, you know, the four hours of lists of names until they get to your friend or your loved one. And then it becomes more than a list, doesn't it? Or as one year we went to the to the wall, the Vietnam wall, and we saw that. And as I watched people put paper up against it and, and color over a name, as I watched people touch a name on the wall, as I watched them put flowers at the base, it's more than a list, isn't it? And so as we look at this list this morning, I'm not even going to try to read through and pronounce all these names, but there are a handful of takeaways that I think we've got to know, that we've got to carry forward as a church. As we've talked about obstacles I want to shift this morning to a handful of takeaways that we've got to look at. And so the first one, the first one I want to point you to as, as you look at this list is just we've got to step back and see the faces that God has brought together. I mean, if you were to look at this list, just as I'm looking at it, you've got a single woman. There's a single man. There's a husband and a wife. There are sisters there are two brothers. There's a brother and a sister, a mother and a son. There are those that are older than Paul. There are those that are younger than Paul. So it's not quite how we think of church all the time, is it? See, a lot of times we'll go to church and, and we kind of separate into people who think like us and look like us and see like us and agree with us and have a worldview like us. But Paul says, well, when, when I look at the church at Rome, as Christ has called it together, it's kind of all over the map. It's all over the map. I mean, I even think about this room. And I think, wow, we, we have people all around this room. It's all different sizes, shapes, colors. There are those of us in this room that are tall, dark, and handsome, like, like me. Just kidding. It's uh, short, white, and stunning is how I think of myself, Okay. <laughs> There are older generations, there are younger generations. There are those who make their living, and it's a lot of like thinking. 
at a desk and there are those who work with their hands. And it's a lot of physical labor. And it's exactly who Christ called into the room. You know, my prayer for this place, even when we used to do youth ministry here, was always, God, bring here who you want here. Bring here who you want here. As we look around, it may not be who you thought it was going to be, but it's exactly who Christ called it to be. As we think about mercy for one another, maybe one of the greatest acts of mercy that we could have on one another is to just step back and to acknowledge and to see and to maybe even spend some time with people who look nothing like us in a different season of life, in a different stage of life. One of my favorite examples of this here at this church is, is a guy named, and he's not here, he's in France right now, Jacob Johnston. Jacob Johnston, is a, he's in our young adult group here at the church, but his path into the young adult group was not straight to the young adult group. Jacob one day needed a ride to church, and he met Dale and Bev Teeters, who are, who are just like two years older than Jacob. No, they're a few generations older than Jacob. And they could have kept driving, thinking about what they had to do, but they stopped. And they said, do you need a ride? And they gave them a ride, and they said, would you ever want to come to church? And Dale and Bev Teeters were the door that God used to open Jacob's path into the church. But it wasn't done there. Jacob, looking for maybe like a young adult group, wandered into the library where our Home Builders One class meets, okay? And that, if you don't know, is our newlyweds and engaged group. And Jacob is not newlywed or engaged, but Jacob just started hanging out with the Home Builders One group. And Jacob stuck with the Home Builders One group. In fact, my understanding is they've had Jacob teaching in the Home Builders One group from time to time. And he joined the men's group, and he's also recently joined the young adult group. See, something incredible happens when you can step back and you can see the faces that Christ has called into the church. That's takeaway number one. Takeaway number two is to see more deeply than face value. To see more deeply than face value. Because as I look at this, it's Paul saying, you know what? There are some stories in that building that you gather in, in that room that you gather in, there are some stories that you got to know. There are stories like Phoebe, not Phoebe from Friends. I laugh every time I read this because I picture Phoebe from Friends. But there are stories like Phoebe. He said she's a leader in the church. But he says this, he says, receive her. Receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people. And I think about this room and I think about the people in here that as I listen to stories, it's stories of rejection throughout the week. It's stories of hardship throughout the week. Would this be a place where we would receive one another? As Paul says of Phoebe. He said there are stories, there are stories like Aquila and Priscilla. And he said, by the way, they risked their lives for me. Now, we don't know exactly how they risked their lives, but he says, yeah, they're, they're in the room as well. And as I think about this room, I think about just my own life personally, that there are faces in here and there have been faces in here who risked maybe not the physical safety of their lives, but they risked their lives for me to know Christ. They gave up time, energy, no guarantee of return on any of that. They gave up time, energy, maybe reputation. 
the, the person who brought me here was just, he was just super cool in high school. And yet he looked over at me and said, you want to come with me? And he risked his reputation, which is a real deal when you're in high school. I know people that have risked money. We have a board of elders who have risked tough conversations for this congregation. He says, yeah, there's stories like that in the room. There are also stories like Eponidas. He says, Eponidas, he was the first convert in Asia. And as I read that, I start thinking, I go, if he was the first convert, you know what that means? It means that for a time, Eponidas was all alone. He was the only one living his faith where he was for a period of time. And I think about this room, and I know there are people in here that feel alone. You know, when I was in high school, when I went to Columbine, there were a good 20 or 30 of us every single day walking the hallways, that if you were having a tough time, if you needed to talk to somebody, somebody was there. You'd find somebody. But I'm reminded there are kids as well, both back then and now, that they're the only one at their school. They're the only one trying to walk those halls with faith in Christ. And it doesn't stop, does it, adults? Truth is, you can go into adulthood and feel all alone, even in a room like this. Paul says, yeah, those stories are there. They're there. There are also stories like Andronicus and Junia, two brothers. Paul said, we got in trouble together. We were in prison together. But he says, there are those in the room that are going through hardships. Maybe it's not literal prison, but they're facing their own prison. And finally, there are those like Apelles. He said, Apelles, he, was, he has stood the test of faith. You're sitting here right now and your faith is just being tested. Paul says, I know you're in the room. And the church needs to know you're in the room. And one of the greatest things we could do is an act of empathy to look at one another and say, I recognize that your past may not look like my past, which means you may not have worldviews like I have worldviews, but we'll walk together. You know, one of my favorite stories from the youth group years ago, we had, um, we had all kinds of different kids in the youth group, and um, there were a couple football players that were in the youth group, but there was also this girl that just, I mean, she was banned to the max, okay? And not having a, a musical bone in my body, I don't understand at all, okay? But, I mean, she loved band. It was band everything. And I remember when it was early on in the Facebook days, she posted this, this status update on Facebook that said, hey, football players, time for you to get off our field. And I was like... And he's, this football player texted me, he said, did you see what she, just, what she just posted? So the next Sunday night at youth group, we were getting into small groups, and um, there were still some that hadn't, hadn't gotten to be part of a small group yet. And I was like, see that girl in the band and that football player? We need to put them in the same small group. <laughs> and now they're married. I'm just kidding. I made that up. I just made that up. <laughs> Made that part up. But that could, be, that could be my story with my wife. She was, she was choir at Dakota Ridge. I was wrestling at Columbine. We just would not, we would not have talked to each other but for Christ and how he called the church together. Takeaway number three, as I look at this list, as, as I look at this, Paul seems to recognize that there is a, fate, there is a place for every single face. 
Not only do you need to step back and see all the faces, Paul says, not only do you need to understand that you got to look past face value, but there is a place for every single face. And what I love about this is I look at this list is this is a stark contrast to how Paul had lived before he came to Christ. I mean, over half this list are people that were just not valued by society. Women, prisoners, slaves. Over half the list. And now Paul, Paul who had been the Pharisee, when he was Saul, he had been the Pharisee of Pharisees. He says, greet them. Greet them. Because they have a place. They have a place. In fact, I look at the entire list and I go, well, this entire list, when Paul was Saul, he would have dragged off to prison or had put to death. But something has changed in this man who was Saul and is now Paul. He's seen, we've got to esteem one another. And as Brad pointed out last week, he recognizes that God gave everyone a gifting. Over and over in this list, you know what he says? Greet this person because they worked hard in the Lord. Greet this person because they worked very hard for the Lord. Greet this one because they worked hard for the Lord. See, Paul recognizes that this is about dignity as well. That one of the greatest things we can do in the church is not just have mercy, not just empathize, but that we could hold up and that we could recognize and we would understand that dignity is very much a part of the picture here. One of my uh, favorite memories, actually, I mean, I have a lot of favorite memories from youth ministry, but maybe one of my greatest accomplishments, but longest kept secrets here. In fact, I don't think I've ever told anybody this. I've told maybe a handful of people. One of my greatest accomplishments, we used to have these visitor cards for the youth group, and this is when I was a young leader. And I remember grabbing one of those visitor cards, and I just, I decided I was going to fill it out with a fake name. And so I put down the name Sebastian Janikowski. Um, if you follow football, he was a place kicker for the Raiders for like 20 years, but he's never come to youth group here. So I put down my address, and no joke, for four years, Sebastian Janikowski's mail came to our house <laughs> from the church here. And I finally decided, you know what, maybe this has gone too far. I probably just need to let the girl who's taking care of the administrative stuff, I should let her know that this has all been a joke. There is no Sebastian Janikowski. So I was talking to her and I said, hey, you know that name, Sebastian Janikowski, and you're about to put him on the, we have a senior recognition Sunday for the graduating seniors. You're, you know you have him on the list. She's like, oh yeah. I was like, I, I was trying to step into it. I was like, I, I don't think he's around. And she's like, Sebastian is going to be recognized on senior Sunday. And so that senior Sunday, as I looked at the list on the screen and Sebastian Janikowski was up there. I thought, man, like I graduated high school. I, I got my Eagle Scout award when I was a teenager. I've got college degrees, but this might be my greatest accomplishment right here. <laughs> it was incredible. But it's about dignity, that no matter what somebody's background, even a player for the Raiders could actually be welcome in the church if he ever comes. Anyhow, one final takeaway as I look at this list. And it actually comes from a verse that I think has always made me very uncomfortable, but it's Romans 16, 16. Greet one another with a holy kiss. And with that awkward closing, let's, let's close in prayer there. No, what, it, what, I, what he's getting at is, yes, that was a customary greeting, 
at that time. But it's a reminder for us that we have got to stay as a church face to face. We've got to stay face to face because we live in this culture that increasingly, digitally, we get further and further apart. And yes, we're connected. But there is just no substitute for being face to face with one another. A man named Vance Packard in 1972, he said, the, the United States of America is becoming a nation of strangers. That was 47 years ago. What would he say now? What would he say now? And so it means intentionality. It means intentionality. A lot of times, have you heard of the, fr- the phrase keyboard courage? Keyboard courage is I will be who I really am behind a screen. And I think Paul would say, no, 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 as the church, get face to face. Be authentic with one another. Be real with one another. Because Paul understood something. That when it comes to the body of Christ, a part of is always greater than apart from. Even if there's baggage, even if there are obstacles, a part of is greater than apart from. And so would you do me a favor right now? If you have a pen and a piece of paper, or you've got a bulletin, by the way, we have new bulletins coming next week, just heads up, anyhow. But if you have pen and paper, or, or I know, I just talked about keyboard courage, you can take out your phone. You have permission from the preacher to take out your phone. Here's what I want you to do. Would you make a list? I want you to make a list. And as you think about that list, I want you to think about the faces, whether they're here right now or not, whether they're sitting in this room or not. Would you think about the faces that helped you take the steps in order to take the leap of faith into the church? People who maybe helped you get outside your world of one. People who maybe showed you mercy when you thought it was about perfection and performance when it comes to being a Christian. Maybe faces who showed they could empathize with what it was like to be in your situation. People who in some way used their God-given gifting to serve you. And I want you to hold on to that list. Because to you, it's not just a list, is it? Below those names, I want you to do something else as you think about it. Who are, those, who are the people that are coming to mind right now that you could help take some steps in order to take a leap of faith into the church? Maybe they're sitting in this room right now, but there's a good chance they're outside these walls right now. There's a good chance you work next to them and you go to school next to them and you practice next to them and you live next to them. Would you make a list of those names? And the reason I'm asking you to write that list is because one day, you just might end up on their list. One of the most incredible things about Romans 16 to me is actually something you can actually see today. If you were to go to Rome today, there's a, there's a road called Appian Way. And on Appian Way, along Appian Way, there's actually a, uh, there's a grave site. And they have traced this gravesite, the origins of it, to around mid to late first century Rome. Around the time when Paul, or not long after the time Paul would have written this. And the names on some of those gravestones, do you know what they are? Urbanus, Statius, 
Apelles, Tryphena, Tryphosa, Rufus, Hermes, Hermas, Philologus, Julia, and Nereus. Eleven of the names that Paul recognizes here are now on, on, the, on the headstones of a gravesite along a road in Rome. And I look at that and I think, oh my goodness, what started as maybe just a list of faces that gathered in houses, gathered in the church in Rome, that did life together here on earth, now in some way do life together in eternity. See, the list can always become so much more than a list. When we first started youth ministry, it was just this database. I just had, we had names that we had collected from kids that would show up to youth group. And it was names on a spreadsheet and then a database. But over time, that list became more than a list. In fact, when our time to be done with youth ministry was up, you know what that list became? It became this. As we stepped out, we played a lot of Frisbee. And it became names. Names on a Frisbee. Names on pictures. In fact, one of my, I mean, you get these like long letters that I know her to Kara. Like, Kara gets, Kara gets these long letters, and then I get, my favorite one is, let me find it real quick, Riley Burns. Riley Burns, when he was in, like, seventh grade. Here's what he wrote. Thanks, bye, Riley. <laughs> I like it. It's direct, to the point, from the heart, Riley. <laughs> Suddenly, that spreadsheet of names is more than a list. It's more than a list. Save your list. I don't know how it works, but I can imagine that one day, one day when my time here on earth is done, when your time here on earth is done, again, I don't know how it works, but I imagine awaking to eternal life. And can you imagine you get up one morning and you go downstairs and into a dining room and you see a collection of faces? And they're the faces on your list. And above them is hanging a banner that they've painted. And it says, welcome home. It's more than a list. So take that leap. And when you've taken that leap, turn and invite someone else to take the leap with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you called the church together. Maybe not the way we ever would have called it together. Maybe not the faces that we ever would have selected, but you called it together as you wanted. And so as we close talking about this idea of the leap, as we close with a picture of the church, Lord, right on our hearts, right on, your, on our hearts, first and foremost, what you gave your son. You, you gave us your son at the cross to free us for a life of faith. You gave us your Holy Spirit to empower us for a life of faith but you also gave us the body of Christ to walk together, to build up, to edify, to equip, to be part of, not apart from, for the sake of your glory. And so I pray for anyone in here right now that maybe, maybe has never heard the good news of Jesus or has heard it and heard it and heard it, but today is different. Today is an open door 
to be part of the body of Christ, if they've never trusted in what he did on the cross, I pray right now that you would move them to find someone, move them to ask someone, how can I be a part? How do I ask him in? We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.